0: Hi, folks. Keith Jones here. You're fixing to listen to Front Row Knowles on the podcast. But before we get started, we want to thank the Champions Club and specifically Seminole Boosters for sponsoring our podcast that allows us to bring the podcast to you commercial-free. You know, we are one tribe. We are unconquered. In the last uh, few years, Florida State has built a tradition of excellence. But right now, all of us that are Seminoles are facing a challenge. We've got 20 sports programs, all the coaches student athletes that are involved. We've got some budget cuts that we're trying to work through due to the pandemic. And right now we need you in order to provide all of our teams and student athletes with the best possible opportunity for success. We need your help. We need you to join Seminole Boosters. We need you to renew your membership. We need you to increase your contribution. We need you to consider making a gift. We don't talk heavy-handed like this much, but this is the time to be a little heavy-handed. Help us out. Help Florida State out. Help Florida State Boosters out. And most of all, we want to continue to thank the Boosters and specifically the Champions Club for sponsoring us and
1: bringing Front Row Knowles to you. Stay tuned and listen.
2: Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. It is Front Row Knowles time. You're also running out of
0: time to complete your holiday shopping. Keith, how are you doing, sir? My goodness. Was I supposed to look how many shopping days we had left? Was that my responsibility? I missed that.
2: No, I don't want to do the math myself because I've still got work to be done. But we're back in a game week. That's good news,
0: Keith. Well, uh, should we call it a game week or should we play the 2020 we don't know what's going to happen card Because recall, the ACC has changed protocol, quote-unquote. So instead of testing on Friday, they'll be testing tomorrow on Thursday with results back tomorrow evening or Friday morning. And given the luck we've had, maybe we should just cross our fingers, cross our toes, cross our legs, and just hope that nothing comes about. But, yes, it is scheduled to be played on Saturday. Fair point. And I was going to
2: cement the fact that we're definitely playing basketball Tonight and this week. But honestly,
0: we're not definitely doing anything in 2020 until it happens. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, and speaking of basketball, you've had two things happen. Obviously, FSU uh, entertaining uh, Indiana and the ACC Big Ten Challenge, but you've had at least two games postponed that I have picked up on. And then you've had something happen that I haven't seen in a long time. If again, if I've uh, gotten the the information correct both Duke and North Carolina lost last night in the challenge which I don't know how long it's been since that's happened well more than that the ACC got it
2: handed to them last night oh, yeah. in the oh, challenge yeah. other than Miami rallying from 14 down for a win uh, it was pretty much all uh all Big Ten. So hopefully mm-hmm. Florida State can get some revenge on Indiana. We're going to talk about that matchup in our next segment. Raquan Gray will join us, in fact, for uh, a few minutes. Raquan, you know, the, the stars of the team are NJ, MJ Walker and, and Scotty Barnes. But when you go ten deep and you all sort of play the same minutes, you're all integral to what Leonard is doing. And, and we'll dive into that next segment. On the football front, Keith, there's the physical and the mental side of this. And I found it interesting that when the coaches spoke on Monday, especially Kenny Dillingham, but really all of them seemed to point back to things ticking up in the right direction a week ago Tuesday, which would correspond to when Florida State knew that its season wasn't over and there actually was going to be another game. So whether it's that or whether it's that some of the players who were not necessarily all in or no longer on the team, whatever it is, and I don't know that I want to say they've turned a corner, but Kenny Dillingham was excited. Other coaches pointed to it. What do you make of that statement that came
0: out Monday? Two things jump out at me. Number one, remember when they took the field Tuesday for practice, they did not know if they were going to have a game because that was not announced till Tuesday night. And they practiced Tuesday morning. Exactly. And number two, Recall three or four weeks ago in an interview with whoever was doing the television broadcast for the Florida State game and home game, a very subtle, innocuous type of comment was made by Coach, uh, Coach Norvell when he said, you know, we can't bounce back up until we've hit rock bottom, insinuating that three or four weeks ago when he made that statement, they in fact had not hit rock bottom. So maybe last week and Tuesday's practice, we hope, we'll keep our fingers crossed, was the the hitting of rock bottom. They had a great practice, which if you want to talk about the mental stand of uh, aspect of it, you're going out and practicing with no game at that point, but they still had a great practice. Prior to that, you had a number of kids announce they were opting out. They were doing this. They were doing that. I'm not saying they're good, bad or indifferent. I'm just saying it happened. So maybe, just maybe, and I know we're wishful thinking and we're wanting, you know, we're very much wanting this to be true, but maybe, just maybe, that Tuesday slash Tuesday night was the bottom, and we'll see if now with the reconstituted Florida State team and people that do want to be there and are bought in and see what they do over these last two contests.
2: Yeah, we'll judge for ourselves on on Saturday and then next week against Wake Forest, assuming those games get played. But it was at least positive to hear that. And I don't know that those were initially solicited comments. And even if they were, it's at the coach's uh, choice as to how much they want to reveal or be over the top. So the fact that they were they were sharing that seemed like a good sign. Kenny Dillingham also shared that he thought Jordan Travis had his best day throwing the ball that he's seen since he's been there. That's not insignificant either. Uh, Your point about the bye week so let's go back so remember that for Clemson and Virginia because those games weren't canceled until day of uh, FSU game planned that week and that means that yes you ran whatever set of plays you think gave you the best chance and you repeated them and from Clemson to Virginia maybe 30% of those plays were the same ones the next week I don't know I'm making that up. But then you have a bye week and that allows you to work on fundamentals and really clean up a lot of the things that you can do in spring practice and in fall camp, but not necessarily in a game week. So I thought that was good. And bottom line, Florida State's parts are what they are and collectively they're not where they need to be for FSU to uh, enjoy success at the level they want to and are accustomed to. But maybe we'll see something better than the sum of the parts this weekend and next weekend, which we really haven't seen in quite some time here. I've I've been calling for it, and we just
0: haven't seen it. Remember, too, we've talked about, you know, should, if, could, would uh, the Knowles get into a bowl game, which doesn't doesn't look promising where they sit right now. You're still getting, by my count, two weeks of practice because you're playing all the way to the 19th if things go as planned. Actually, it qualifies as maybe three weeks of practice. And if you practice four times a week, that's 12 practices. You would have gotten 12, maybe 15 for the bowl game. So you've been on the field in theory. It's a stretch here. You can reach through the phone and grab me, Tom. I appreciate it. But in theory, you're getting that extra work. That can't help but be good too, because what this team needs is reps, period, the end. So that said, one other,
2: it's not a variable, it's a fact, But a week from today starts the early signing period. Now, you got a lot of guys that are in the boat for Florida State, a couple that have uh, jumped overboard and gone elsewhere. I know that you and I are not the recruiting guys per se. And ultimately, when this season is done, would you feel a little bit better if FSU closed on a two-game winning streak? Yes, we'd all feel a little bit better, understanding that four and six is still not anything to do cartwheels over. But more specific to signing day, Do you think the result of this Saturday's game against Duke makes a difference for anybody that may be teetering?
0: Tommy, I'm of the opinion that anybody that is this close to a signing day that is teetering, you may not want anyway. In other words, if I'm a five-star and I got a chance to go to Florida State or Clemson and Clemson's playing in the ACC championship game and they're potentially going to be in the playoff and Florida State beats Duke. That doesn't affect me. And if I'm a three-star or a low four-star and I want to be part of rebuilding a program, then it doesn't matter whether Florida State goes two and eight or four and six. I want to be at FSU. So my answer is, I don't think it does. What it does is it it helps the mentality of the team because now the work that you've put in has translated into a victory. And remember, you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds. So as a coach, you've been out there beating on them, berating on them and working them and telling them they got to get better. And then they lose a ball game. It's like disciplining your children. You know, if you tell them if they'll study for the, the spelling test, they'll get a good grade. They study for the test and don't get a good grade you got another parental problem to take care of. So I'm not sure it affects recruiting, but it does affect the mentality of the ball club. And candidly, and we don't talk about this much, but it affects the mentality of the coaches. You know, these guys know how to coach. They, Norvell didn't forget how to coach from last year to this year. Okay? So they start questioning, are we doing things correctly? Are we, do we need to tweak things? Do we need to modify things? when you don't achieve success. So it's positive from a program standpoint. I'm not sure how much it affects recruiting.
2: We'll talk more about recruiting with our Osceola insider. Patrick Burnham will join us this week. He breaks that down for the Osceola and is plugged in. We'll get some on-field thoughts too. And as we finish this first segment, Keith, I'll ask you, uh, because we talked about the mental side of, of things taking an uptick last week. Physically, we know that guys have healed up. Jordan Travis, by all accounts, is as healthy as he's been in some time. But when you haven't played a game in what will amount to 28 days for the team and 35 for Jordan Travis, is this going to look like the first game of a season? Is it going to be or, – or, you know, what do you expect? I mean, it's not completely apples to apples there,
0: but a four-week break is a long break. It, it causes you to lose continuity. There's no question. Uh, you lose some of your momentum. Uh, but you're, the, the diverse side is you're, you're obviously rested you're probably better from a Nick and a bruise and a, and a beat up standpoint, but yeah, it affects you. I'm not sure it would go all the way back to first game of the season, but certainly it will have some type of material effect. The other thing that's interesting at this time of year, Tom, particularly for the younger players. So someone that's red shirted last year was a freshman last year and didn't play or someone that's a true freshman this year. This is a really long season. And the fact, they started literally a week or two, 10 days early, and then even you back that up to, to six weeks early when they could start doing some team activities way back in July. This is a very long season from a physical and a mental standpoint. You don't play that long in high school. So you've got to find a way to overcome that barrier as well. Uh, And so, yeah, it may be a little disjointed. It may be a little ugly going on. I don't know that it'll be as bad as the first game of the year, but it'll have an effect of some sort, no question. So kickoff four o'clock this Saturday. News
2: from today, by the way, if you're just tuning in, Hamza Nasraldine spoke to the media and left the door open to return. I don't want to create false hope there. The stories this week were that he had at least been offered a a chance to compete in the Senior Bowl, and I think everybody has assumed since – even before the season that Hamza's last year would be this year, but he didn't close the door. He said, he's still trying to figure it out. Boy, that would be good news. If he somehow came back, uh, the other seniors that spoke Janaris Robinson and Emmett Rice, who are not guys flirting with the NFL at this point, so much as do have a chance to come back and get a mulligan basically, because everybody can come back. were are noncommittal. And I think, and and I don't know enough about the recruiting nuance. I know we're going back and forth on field recruiting, on field recruiting. Manny Diaz pointed this out yesterday when he met with the media, there's so many guys in the transfer portal right now. And the NCAA has not upped the overall 85 person cap. Now seniors who come back won't count against it, but the the bottom line is there's so many folks in the portal that there may not be a landing spot for everybody between the, the transfer guys and the high school seniors. So You know, others will end up at different places. On the one hand, you can say it'll all shake out. On the other hand, it does feel like some guys are going to slip through the cracks here.
0: I don't think we should read anything into Hamza's or Emmett or Janoris's, J-Rob's comments, Tommy. Because if all three of them were first-round projected NFL players, with two games left in the season as juniors, or in Hamza's case, a senior, but gets a do-over, well, actually, DeNorris and, and M&R too. I, but my point is, a junior potential first-round draft pick would not be telling you he's going pro two games left in the season. Okay, so the fact that these kids are non-committal, you don't need to read anything into that. They'll make those decisions and announce those decisions after the conclusion of the ball of the season, rather.
2: That's a fair point, but we are in the era, Keith, where any day of the week, somebody may just announce, I'm done playing
0: for the rest of the year, or well, I'm not done playing for the rest of candidly, the year. Candidly, that's what Stanford did, okay? And again, because of the way he's comported himself, you like that big word? I've, I've, I've looked Stanford, up. you mean Asante? Did you go Asante, back? Asante, I'm sorry. Asante uh, has comported himself. No one has, to my knowledge, negatively reacted to it. He said, look, not anything left here to play for. I've got a chance at the next level. I'm opting out and I'm getting ready for it. But he had done enough in his body of work to quote unquote, qualify as a seminole. And he's not somebody you're going to be upset with. Apologize for the name slippage there. And don't make fun of me, Tommy, because you got it coming. You're about 10 years away from being no, in that same spot.
2: Brother. No, I'm not. I'm not 10 years away any, anymore, Keith. I actually had this conversation with somebody. Uh, listeners, sorry, where it's old man talk here. Although Keith's still older. Uh, there was a long period of time where Keith might not have the best recollection on somebody from the 1996 team, but could tell you that somebody played in the 90s. Well, I've now reached the point, Keith, that I can tell you that a guy played in the '90s, but I can't remember if it was the '94 team or the '97 team or the '99 team. I'm, I'm I'm getting pretty close with you right now. <laughs> well, we got that going for us. I, I used to I used to be pretty crystal clear. And just folks, as we go to break, we we do know that Charlie Ward played on the '93 team. We haven't lost it that much yet. It's uh, it's a little so bit. I mean, Winky
0: was '99. All right, I got that one.
2: Yeah, exactly. And Jameis was 13. So we've, we've still got something left. We'll take a break and come back with more front row Knowles after
1: this. And- Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
2: Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. We will uh, jump back to football next segment, but uh, let's talk a little basketball, Keith man everybody's excited about this team and then first game of the season gets canceled then you get a little taste and you see Scotty Barnes with his behind the back you know maybe he got away with the travel but it was still a nice dunk against (laughs) and then we wait another week and now we're going to get a test against Indiana who handled Florida State really easily last year as it turned out Uh, but I'm excited ACC Big Ten tonight if nothing else it's game two win lose there won't be a draw you can't draw too many conclusions on it but I'm excited that Florida State's going to be playing at the Tuck tonight.
0: Well we've talked all about during football season about optics and I think this early in the basketball season uh, win or lose what you're looking for is how well does Florida State play. Coach Hamilton's talked about you know the learning curve that he and the staff are going through in terms of how to get the rotation in place and I know uh, Coach Hamm would be the first to tell you he'd like to have two or three more games underneath his belt, A, for the kids to have played together, and B, for him to see how they played together so he knows how to put them together going forward. Uh, but I think Florida State um, is on a uh, – at least this week, we're going to learn a lot more, at least from an optic standpoint, about this team relative to taking on Indiana tonight and then Florida on Saturday. And I know if nothing else, if nothing else – the kids are ready to get back on the court. We talk in football about getting beaten up on your own teammates and you want to play a game. Well, there's a similar type of thing in basketball. These kids have been on the court against each other. They've only played one game. They want to see somebody else with a different colored jersey on. By the way, that game tonight, seven
2: fifteen. Originally, it was nine fifteen, but it got changed in the ESPN pecking order. So uh, tune in early if you're trying to watch that thing live. Uh, mentioned in the first segment, Keith, Last night, Iowa beats North Carolina, Illinois beats Duke, Penn State beats Virginia Tech, Rutgers beats Syracuse, Ohio State beats Notre Dame, uh, Minnesota beats Boston College, and Miami, the Sunshine State, is the only school that holds up the end of the bargain. That has to be the worst day for the ACC in the history of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Now, I don't, frankly, I don't care what the rest of the league does tonight. I just want FSU to win. That's how not – go ACC we are. Am I right?
0: (laughs) You are right. And uh, again, that's a strictly 2020 issue because in these uh, tournaments, if you will, these matchups in years past, uh, conference pride has been very much a part of it. We've talked about the fact that Florida State wants to hold up their end of the bargain along with their peers in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But as I mentioned you know, it's just unusual, and I don't know. We could go back and look at it, but we're not going to because we're lazy that way. But having all those teams, particularly Duke and North Carolina, lose on the same night, that's a rare occurrence, and maybe it speaks to how how much different this season will be because of all the circumstances around it.
2: Biggest thing that concerns me tonight is that Indiana has played several games and FSU's played one. And the I agree. Way Leonard works his rotation – not just in a in a normal year, but especially in a COVID year. He's, you know, he played as many guys as he could last week. And so they're still kind of finding their way. You know this from all years associated with FSU basketball. Normal season, it's going to be eight or ten games before he shortens the bench and, and Florida State's going to round into form in mid-January and be pretty doggone solid from then until the end of the year. So I do have some concerns about that. But FSU's at home, and I really like the the pieces including Raekwon Gray, who's not going to be the first name that comes off the tip of the tongue. You're going to talk about MJ Walker and Scotty Barnes and uh, even Malik Osborne and some others. But uh, we, we've we had Raquan on the show previously. We had him on. Uh, we have him on right now as well. Uh, we recorded this interview. But uh, it, the, the first question we asked him, and then the interview will flow from there, was just about team chemistry and leadership. And so listen in. This is uh, Raekwon's response in the rest of that interview.
3: Nobody's above anybody. You know, everybody has an equal voice on the team. And we all share uh, a certain type of respect for each other. So I'm just another one of the guys that's, like you say, been longer, but I'm also learning and, you know, getting better myself. So we help each other out on that. And I mean, it's just it takes a lot of, you know, pressure, I would say, off your shoulders. And you just you can relax and just be yourself. So, I mean, our coaches and my teammates do a great job of helping me.
0: I know coach Ham and and coach Stan uh, stress uh, hitting those defensive boards and getting the ball out and anybody one through five can bring the ball up court on a fast break. We've seen you do that even with your size, but now you got to be honest with us. I hear this rumor going around that you might even be uh, playing the point guard position in half court sets at some point along the lines. Is there any truth
3: to that? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean, I I played point guard in high school, so I mean, it's no it's no huge adjustment for me. I think that I de- I definitely have you know the capability of doing it, but I mean, just what my team needs, whatever coaches feel like, you know, put us in the best just to win. So if they need me to play that, I can play you know any position on the court. So I mean, whatever my team needs, I'm comfortable with playing it. So yeah, I can definitely.
0: So, so your motto is Trent. Who, we, who who's this Trent guy? From last <laughs> year? Let's talk about Turk. <laughs> So, what does the team need right
2: now? I mean, what's your assessment through practice and just one game where you guys obviously were the superior team? So, it's not a lot of a measuring stick right now. I mean, what do you? You'll have one tonight, but but what do you feel like? Uh, you know, where are you guys doing well, and where do you guys need to improve
3: and, and focus on here early in the season? Um, I mean, you can obviously get better in all areas of the game, you know, as a team, a collective group. But um, I mean, kind of lack like of experience, you know, that kind of is a thing for us right now. You know, we're trying to be be as mature as possible throughout these games. You know, we're definitely going through a tough schedule in these next coming weeks. So just, you know, stand on top of our details and our, our techniques, honestly, just, you know, stick to our bases, our defense, moving the ball on offense and playing together and sharing the ball. Honestly, I think if we, we play defense in the fan and share the ball, then all the other mistakes and weaknesses of our team will, will be, you know, not exposed. So, you know, we stick to those things and you know, listen to our coaching staff and our coaches. I mean, I, I think we'll be all right, so... Let's
2: talk specifics. What do you see as the keys in this matchup against Indiana and in the
3: ACC Big Ten tonight? Uh, we definitely have to rebound the ball. They're a physical team. You know, they want to you even know, get offensive rebounds and definitely impose their will on the inside. They have uh, two great post players and uh, a lot of good guards. So I mean, we're just trying to you know be physical and rebound the ball as much as possible, and you know just play our style. I think that like we always say that what we have to do to adjust to other teams, but teams have to adjust to us too. So I think we just play our style and rebound the ball. And, you know, be who we are. And I think everything else takes care of itself. One of the few
0: games that uh, you lost last year was at Indiana. Uh, obviously, that's a little bit of a motivation. But what do you remember about that game? What are you telling, for example, the freshmen about that style of Indiana play?
3: Um, I mean, you always have to be, you know, aware of anything. You know, they, they crash the glass. You know, they run a lot of different sets of offense. So, you always have to be aware on defense, you know. As far as being the help side defender or even on the ball, you got to know who you're guarding you know, what they like to do and what they don't like to do. So you definitely have to be locked into detail on in the scout report. So just always, you know, be aware on the people's event because anything can come at you. You
2: talk about those freshmen. So my impression, and I've only seen last week's game, I mean, Coach Ham always has long athletic teams. But but watching Scotty and, and just in general, it feels like the team's even longer now. I mean, it, it, when you look out of the court, and I know you're a big guy too, is – is it, is it bigger, and are the, are the passing lanes even smaller right now with, with what you guys have on the roster?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's a practice against, you know, players of that size, and, you know, we, we just always scrimmage against each other. So it's it's difficult for, honestly, me sometimes to make a pass or, you know, see the ball or, you know, just get to the paint. But I mean, it's kind of it's crazy. We we have depth all over the, you know, depth and length all over the bench and, all, you know, on the court at all times. So it's, it's definitely hard you know, getting the ball across the court or passing the ball and getting inside the paint. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely a blessing, you know, to have. And it's great to play, play with, but it's, you know, a problem a huge problem to play against. So, I mean, we try to use it to our advantage and, you know, have fun with it also.
0: Dirk, Tom's mentioned that it's true. You're a big guy, but you, you've you slimmed down a little bit. You've continued to watch your nutrition. I know you've spent a lot of time with Coach Bradley. How, how much better does it feel to be as quick as you appear to be right now
3: uh, going into the season? Um, I mean, it's great. I mean, I honestly feel like you know, that definitely helps me on the court, you know, moving and guarding it, you know, just getting down the court, you know, be out to jump and just play hard for a long period of time. So it's definitely been a great offseason for me. You know, I, I'm definitely going to keep uh, making progress throughout the season, but uh, it's, it's definitely helped me a lot, you know, just moving around and, you know, guarding it, being able to run up and down and, you know, jump higher. So well, I, I,
0: Some of us like me are going in the wrong direction, so I may be calling you and seeking some <laughs> advice going forward. Listen. <laughs> what have you seen from
2: MJ this year so far? I mean, because he's the guy that's, you know, he's sort of the headline guy going into this year. Uh, it's, it's his senior season. Have you noticed a difference either in his
3: work ethic or how vocal he is or anything that he's doing? Um, I mean, he's always worked hard. You know, I think that he's developed a routine that he's comfortable with and that he's, you know, that he feels like he's getting better at. So, I mean, he, he's just really just standing in the gym, you know, and being himself. I mean, obviously MJ came out of high school, as a highly rated recruit, and now that he's you know, a senior, I think he's a lot more confident and comfortable. You know, just at, at ease. You know, I guess being a mature guy and being here so long that kind of just found the right pace to play at. So I mean, he's definitely gonna have a huge year, and he, he's putting the work his off season, and I've seen it myself. And I just think that he, he's he's playing really, really mature right now, and it's obviously showing throughout the game. But I'm glad he's you know playing at that, that uh, level, and we need him to play at that level as a senior on our team.
0: Turk, you pay attention now. We've gone eight or nine minutes already, and this is the first time we've asked about Barnes because I know sometimes you guys get tired of being asked about Scotty, but, but what do you see in that young guy? What do you like about him?
3: Um, I mean, he, he has a dog mentality. He he wants to win and compete. You know, he brings a lot of energy. He has he, he has he like, likes to have a lot of fun. I mean, he's a great guy to be around. I mean, obviously, you see on the court he has a lot of form, but he's even a better person off the court. Like, I mean, he's willing to ask questions. You know, he, he tries to learn as much as possible. He he annoys me and asks me so many questions that sometimes I'll be like, all right, like, he you know, just leave me alone for a little bit. But, I mean, he, he wants to learn, and you know, get better for our team. And he knows that he's a freshman and he, he lacks in some areas. So, he, he he's quick to ask questions, you know, be coachable. You know, and he likes to have fun while doing it too. So, he brings a lot of to our team, and we definitely appreciate it, you know, for bringing that energy.
2: As we wrap things up here, have – the way 2020 has gone, has it uh, made you appreciate every opportunity you have when you step on the court a little bit more? Because I mean, you've already had a game canceled. Who knows? Any, you know, you, you know what your schedule looks like, but who knows if you're actually going to play all those games that way?
3: Um, yeah. I mean, 2020 has definitely been a crazy year. You know, outside of basketball, just for life in general. You know, I'm definitely thankful for just being, being honestly, being alive. You know, with this pandemic going on with the COVID and everything, so many people have lost their lives to it. You know, but, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm thankful for it just to play basketball in a, a certain time like this. You know, you don't really see as many, I guess, years like this happen. So, I mean, just to play basketball and, you know, compete at a high level like we are right now, I mean, it's a blessing. You know, I'm thankful for it. And, you know, I try to take that mentality into each game and practice just to, you know, this could be our last practice or last game. You never know. So, I just kind of leave it out, out there on the line, you know, and have fun with it also at the same time. So, it's definitely been a blessing and, and a great year, honestly, in my opinion. So,
2: Well, sounds good. I know you're just getting started. Uh, Best of luck tonight against Indiana. And uh, enjoy this season. I know you will based on what you just said, but we appreciate you joining us. You guys are fun to watch.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you so much.
2: Raquan Gray, Turk from the FSU basketball team. We'll step aside, come back with more front row knolls after this.
1: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by The Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS.
2: Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. We uh, spent last segment talking some hoops. We're going to dive into football again now we're going to keep this more to recruiting i still this is the third fourth year of it whatever it is i can't keep track i'm losing track losing my mind but the the signing period for football being before christmas still still freaks me out a little i've been conditioned to that first wednesday in february but here we are the point being next wednesday is signing day and as we open up the earl bacon agency hotline i'll remind you the earl bacon agency ensuring your future together we say hello to our Osceola insider patrick burnham and uh, patrick you stay plugged in to recruiting so uh you you're aware i mean we're all aware that it's signing day next week yeah. i know it's not i know it's not going to change uh, as we're a few years into it, have you just accepted it? Did you like it from the get-go? Keith and I were on the, if you're going to do early signing period, do it in August before the I'm with you.
4: On, I'm with you on that. I mean, yeah. I, listen, uh, but, yeah, I, I still haven't quite got used to it. And uh, what's going to make it even more different this year, uh, particularly inside that building, not so much for fans and uh, writers and analysts like you guys and myself, but these coaches will be in the middle of prepping for a game. They'll be in the middle of game week getting ready for a Wake four, So they won't be sitting around the conference table with with bagels, donuts, and coffee, they'll be uh sitting in a staff room breaking down film and trying to prepare a game plan. So it's uh internally to having been in that building, been in those buildings before, it'd be just a very strange day, but yeah, it's here, it's hard to believe. Uh, they're uh planning to 12 uh sign 12 of their 15 commitments uh next week based on what we can gather. So
2: it'll be a big day for Mike Norvell. So let's go with the 30,000 foot view first, Pat. Which, and this means, the, the, this is Keith and I who aren't looking at the high school tape and paying attention to the stars and that sort of thing. Uh, general snapshot, FSU lost a couple kids recently, including a highly touted quarterback recruit in Luke Altmeyer, but also gained a couple, maybe some that people didn't see coming, including no. a, a kid from Miami Northwestern from a ranking standpoint this is not as highly touted a recruiting class as what FSU's conditioned to or maybe needs to get back to the Clemson Alabama level but I'll let you go from there what does FSU have right now with the 15 commits and the 12 who are expected to sign
4: well i mean you know i think given all the circumstances the continuous dead period that Mike Norvell and his staff have had to recruit under, uh, there's nothing wrong with the 32nd uh, ranking. And that's what 24-7 has them as 32nd in the nation and recruiting 7th in the ACC. And that's with a staff that has not been able to leave its campus nor have kids on its campus. So, uh, the circumstances of which Mike Norvell and really any first year staff are working under are quite challenging. And listen, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the Osceola today. Uh, you know, is this class as good as it could have been? Probably not because these guys didn't get to go out and recruit like they normally would. So, uh, an amazing amount of circumstances to work through and around that would be hard to fathom, quite honestly, unless we were in the building and trying to get creative in how you're doing it. But Yes, uh, I think given the circumstances, uh, you know, this looks to be the 15 guys that we're going to talk about, or some of the 15, very solid prospects, obviously disappointing that you didn't hold on to Luke Altmeyer. but listen, you know, he started getting big attention when Alabama came in, after Florida State uh, got his commitment, Alabama came in, Lane got the Job at Ole Miss. He, they had a high powered offense that so went in some ball games. It's a hard state to leave when you're the number one recruit in the state. And uh, so, uh, you know, disappointed they lost the other two, but there's, you know, those things happen all the time in recruiting. Uh, you're, gonna, you're not going to get them all.
0: Pat, another 30,000 foot view. Have you done any, do you even have an opinion on the kids that are signing early? How many of them are coming in early? I mean, has the early signing period really helped, hurt, or been immaterial to the kids that enroll in January?
4: Well, I think from a football standpoint, it's a big advantage for the school and for the kid. Now, socially, academically, I don't know. I mean, you know, to miss your senior prom and miss your senior spring break. And you're going through football practice. I think it's uh, you know, it does help you get acclimated to class and the college life. And, you know, maybe you get a little bit more of a head start than you would if you came in in August, but kids don't come in in August anymore. They come in in June. So they get those six to 12 hours in the summer. Uh, so listen, I think that uh, I think for, the kids that want to do it, I think it's a great option to have. But I don't, I don't hold it against a kid for not wanting to do it. But certainly, they've got several kids. And uh, Bryson SD's offensive lineman's going to come in early. Jackson West, uh, the tight end, Joshua Burwell, he's going to be an early wide receiver. He's going to be an early enrollee. Uh, Joshua Farmer from down the street at Gaston County, early enrollee, and Kevin Knowles from uh, Hollywood Mac- MacArthur. So they're going to have about five of their kids early enrollees. Most of them are going to wait till the summer though.
2: So let's let's just go a couple of names here. Patrick Payton was the kid who committed at a Northwestern high school from Miami. And, uh, you know, while I don't dive into the weeds uh, that much, you don't have to follow recruiting to know if you hear Miami-Dade County and you got somebody. Uh, now, a Cane fan would say, well, that's because Miami didn't want them or whatever. But bottom line, <laughs> they play good football in Miami-Dade County. And there seems to yeah. be a little bit of a buzz about them. So tell us about them. Well, Florida State
4: historically has uh, brought some pretty good players from South Florida, so they don't all go to Miami. But, yeah, Patrick Payton, uh, 6'5", 205. He's rated as a four-star for Northwestern High School, which I believe gave us Marvin Jones, among others. Uh, but a great-looking kid, long, athletic, uh, gets off, comes off the edge well. Florida State needs a pass rusher. I think the question with Patrick, he's a long-looking, 20- you can't, can't been able to see him in person. How much weight can he put on? Does he end up an outside linebacker or does he end up as a, d- a hand down defensive end or stand up probably more of a Fox than he is a strong side defensive end if he translates. But yeah, uh, certainly a guy that looks like he plays with uh, good eye discipline under control, but certainly a guy that chases the ball well and gets after the quarterback, but a, a good pickup for Florida state for sure.
2: What about the offensive <laughs> lineman? I mean, that's been a big question for a while and I know Rod Orr has been in the boat yeah. And, and, and there's a kid from Niceville and it, it feels like he's been higher profile and, and is he going to be one that, that sticks or gets away?
4: Well, you know, Chemo is uh, and Chemo Monticaneli is who you're talking about. Six four two eighty five from Niceville, Florida. He's only a three star guy, but listen, watch his tape again this morning. A uh, guy that I like more and more. He's big, physical, athletic, has extremely quick feet. Probably doesn't have the ideal size uh, and length to be a tackle in uh, major college ball, but has the athleticism to do it. Uh, but certainly a guy that you could see starting three, maybe four years as a guard or center. And I, I really like the kid. Uh, they also got Bryson Estes, the center guard from Eagles Landing. Christian, not as highly uh, touted as Rod Orr and Chemo, but certainly gives them a core group of three guys that you think have potential to contribute. Uh, in Rod's case, probably right away, Uh, and in Kimo's case and Bryson's case, probably early in their careers, uh, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore. And then, of course, you would think they would probably go after two more uh, and probably either JUCO or the transfer portal to add some more experience to what is still a very young
0: offensive line. Speaking of those options, uh, junior college as well as the transfer and or graduate, Everybody always focuses on the quarterback and there's been a lot in social media about I uh, getting away, but th- does Florida State really need to sign a high school quarterback this year? I guess becomes the question.
4: Uh, listen, uh, my understanding is that once Luke left that they're not, their plan is to go through the portal one way or the other, whether it's a junior college transfer or a grad student transfer. And, you know, you've heard McKenzie Melton, and then you got the kid at uh, Utah, who I think would be at Jake Bentley, who was at South Carolina for a couple of years, might be a guy that you could bridge the gap with. Uh, both guys can throw the football. I don't know. Well, I don't know if they're recruiting both or either one of those two kids are, in, are interested. But they certainly have proven track records. One leading UCF to prominence. One leading uh, a young was a starter as a freshman and sophomore at South Carolina. But I would think at this point, Keith, that they will go the transfer route on a quarterback, particularly if they like their three young quarterbacks that they have that will all come back as sophomores and freshmen next year.
2: Patrick, let, let's let's dive into the weeds here in terms of the nuance of recruiting. So there's an 85 scholarship limit on the team and there's a 25 limit every, yeah. every year. I haven't processed this, but we know seniors next year won't count against the 85. So if Emmett Rice comes back, he's not one of your 85. Right. But everybody this year is getting another year. So right. what about a guy who's a junior Two now, two years from now, are they gonna make an exception there on the limit so you can go over? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, my understanding is that'll be a hard eighty-five after next year. Okay. So if that's the yeah. case, then I raised this in the first segment, and Manny Diaz brought it up this week, and we Keith and I talked a little bit about it. You got so many guys in the transfer portal because they're convinced the grass is greener, and then you got the same amount of high school kids coming out. Is there gonna be enough spots for everybody? to land
4: no there's nothing the the math doesn't add up that
2: way because listen
4: you can go over 85 scholarships if you want you still got to find a way to pay for it so i mean you got to raise the additional funds to get that scholarship so there's still it's not you know if you got 10 seniors you're just not going to bring them all back all across the country and then to talk about what you just said all right Florida State's got five seniors right now that are on the depth chart for this week's game against Duke. Uh, it's very easy to see where you might bring four of those guys back. So that, that's four guys that you can't bring back off the transfer portal. Uh, or w- probably wouldn't because, again, you got to pay for the scholarships. But if Janarius Robinson, Joshua Kando, and Emmett Rice and Hanson Nazel didn't come back to Mike and say, Hey, I'll have to come back. How do you tell any of those four guys we don't want you back? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah, I think I think it's going to, uh, I think the, the numbers game is going to end up working against some kids as they get further and further into this.
0: Patrick, one other part of that from the numbers standpoint, depending on where you're talking about, who you're talking to, Florida State is at. 66, 64 scholarship players right now. Yeah, that's about if what those, I've got, yeah. If those four seniors left, you're at plus or minus 60. Yep. You can sign 25. That gets you yep. to 85. Does a transfer portal kid count as a recruited kid or just against your 85? In other words, could you sign 25 high school kids and accept three or four transfer portal kids if you had enough for the 85
4: you know Keith to be honest with you I'm not sure how the count back rule works uh, so forth and so on now my understanding is that the
2: transfer portal guys would count as an initial I could be wrong and if I'm wrong no, no, I, I th- apologize no no I think that's right transfer guys count yeah. towards the 25 but what yeah. you're diving into Pat is Sometimes, if you didn't have eighty five the year before, you can count a guy or two. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. you can gray shirt a guy, which you know that's technically not a count. So there's been ways
0: to nuance it a little, but it's. Yeah. Uh, and the other part that I would make Tom and Pat is the eighty five cap is not an issue for twenty twenty one, right? It's an issue for twenty twenty two and going forward, right? So if you had if you had twenty two kids in your sophomore class. And every one of them said, "I want to come back for an extra year." Then two or three years from now, you theoretically could only sign three kids. Well, that's that. That was why I asked. That's Pat. my point. Yeah. Yeah, that was why I asked Pat
2: that question because where the logjam could occur is down the road if they're exactly. not. Gonna let. Now, the reality is attrition will happen uh, for good reasons, i.e., turning pro, graduate. Right for bad reasons, screwed up, no longer on the team.
0: Uh, but it's still an issue, and, and at least something that is in the back, Pat, if you agree with me, in the back of the coaches' minds.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. And, listen, they'll figure out a way to get to 85. I mean, they, they'll they have to, but certainly it's going to uh, – and there's always uncomfortable conversations in the off-season when uh, semester break comes and coaches are trying to figure out exactly how they're going to allocate scholarship numbers moving forward. And, uh, you know, so, listen uh, – that's going to, those things will happen and they will remedy itself. But yes, it's uh. you essentially got to look at it as a one-year exemption. And, you know, yeah. you can say all these other kids aren't coming back or don't lose year you know, eligibility, but the fact of the matter is they
2: really do. The, the uncomfortable conversation is that one. Hey, Tom. You know, we, we really enjoyed having you here, and, and you can come back if you want to, but, but you're going to be third team on the scout team next year. I'm just letting you know right now. Is that how that goes? Those conversations do take place. People don't want to believe it, but they do. <laughs> well,
0: there's just one complicating factor, though, gentlemen. Those scholarships are now guaranteed. So when you want to have that conversation with Tom, you're going to be on the third team scout team. You need Tom to voluntarily leave, or you got to find a way to MDQ him. Well, he, can listen, make your well, life, he can make your life horrible. Sticking with this, so here's here's
2: my – do you expect any late additions here? You know, there's 12 we're going to sign. And and I'm going from the a, a bird in the hand is is better than two in the bush kind of – you know, in other words, you're not saying we want 15 high school and 10, 10 transfers because if a kid knocks on the door next week on the 16th and, and you think he's good enough to get a scholarship, you're going to go ahead and take him right now.
4: Yeah, I mean like if they the receiver out of Louisiana, Destin Paizon is you know, they're expecting that he might sign with Florida State, uh, you know, whether it's gonna be early signing day or whether it's in February, the first Wednesday in February. So yeah, I think it's likely that you'll see something, another commitment pop up, another early signing pop up between now and next
2: Wednesday or next Friday for sure you know, there's always the mystery recruit. We always want to hear about who's the mystery recruit. You know, we haven't had that. That was, I'm, I'm being facetious, Pat, from back in the day. There always used to be rumors about somebody Oh,
4: else. Well, yeah, there's always the one unknown that for some reason the scholarship works out for him. Uh, you yeah. weren't expecting to sign him with your class. And,
0: you know, well, like- there's also, and your dad, Pat, could talk to this. There's also the kid that, you try to find to get to go away somewhere for about 10 days so nobody can find him before signing day.
4: <laughs> yeah, or, or even after you sign him, we have a, you know, we signed uh, when I was a GA at South Carolina, we signed Jeff Chaney and running back from down in Lake Wells, Lake Gibson area. And uh, he didn't qualify academically. So we we uh, hit him in Augusta, South Carolina uh north augusta south carolina which is right next to augusta georgia he went back home for christmas and florida state was waiting on him at the airport he never made it back to south carolina (laughs) (laughs) and as you guys well know jeff had a very good career
0: he was a very good player he was he sure was
2: he was a great kid i want to go back you mentioned the recruiting rankings at the top pat so I think you said FSU's 32nd and 7th in the oh. ACC. Was that the 247 composite? That was 247. Now that's cumulative points, which is based on number of signees or commitments, right? Because there's an average ranking, and then there's a cumulative.
4: Yeah, they have a formula where they each the kid's assigned a value. Yeah, and then get- the the value divided by the number of signees or commitments. Yeah. get gets you,
2: get you your score. I, I guess the bigger question and Keith and I are, are much more on the, let's just get guys who want to be here. Let's be better than the the sum of the parts. And then in turn, the foreign, the, you know, the recruiting profile will raise, is that, right. is that how you think this gets done over the next few years?
4: Yeah. Uh, listen, I mean, you know, uh, if you start winning ball games, no matter who you sign, they're gonna be four and five stars. Look at Alabama. They're I mean, they might have a three or four star uh three star kid every now and then, but most of the time by the time they get to national signing day, their kids are gonna be ranked a four star at the very least because they're signing at Alabama. So, you know, listen, the recruiting uh rankings game is and in exact science, uh, I see a lot of three stars that are just as good as four stars based on their film. It's just somebody's decided, hey, these 150 kids are four star prospects, and because those 150 guys are four stars, these other guys can't be. I don't know if that's the case. I would argue that most people cannot tell you the difference between a three four a three star and four star prospect. I can tell you what a five star prospect because I look, hey, that guy should be playing the NFL in five years if he lives up to his ability. All of us can recognize. As a five-star but i don't know how people distinguish between a three three-star and four-star guy i don't, I don't know uh, and i've watched a lot of football and i don't know how to do it
0: well and it also uh, further complicating it you know what's your team record because although that doesn't go into the statistics model uh, it, it you know coaches don't like recruiting off of losing teams and what's the size of the city i mean it's kind of hard to get to to wildwood florida unless oh, you yeah. really want to go there
4: Oh yeah, and listen, we were we were talking about the Panhandle, and you got a kid like Chemo who sits there in Niceville, in the middle of nowhere, Panhandle, Florida. Great football program, but uh, how he's a three star based on some of these other guys, I don't I don't get it. Uh, and he probably wasn't a three star until Florida State offered him. I don't know that, but he was kind of under the radar because of where he was.
2: You're right. What else? needs to be discussed or added in regard to signing day next week?
4: Oh, I just think that, you know, listen, uh, it's recruiting anything could and probably will happen before Wednesday to Friday gets here. But uh, I just think that, I you know, listen, the challenge that these – this staff has had to try to put this class together under these circumstances is, uh, you know, I don't I, I, I'm not saying it's a bad class, but you would have to think that this class would be better if they'd actually been able to get on the road, go recruit, go build relationships with these guys. It probably would have been much harder for a Bradley Jennings or a Luke Altmeyer to decommit had they actually had these one-on-one personal relationships with uh, uh, these coaches and had an ability to come to campus and get to know people. But yeah, listen, they, it's an extraordinary amount of circumstances that these guys have been working under. And listen, it'll be, it'll mean less as they move on as far as it being a negative. Uh, you, I mean, listen, their 2022 classes is already ranked 15th in the nation. So, you know, they're, they're, they're working as good as anybody forward given the circumstances but it it certainly you know I think it hurt them with this class but they listen they've held on to Rod Orr who I think is the best player on their uh, of all the 15 commitments and you got uh, there's no doubt people have come back in on him so they've done a good job I think.
0: Pat I got to ask the question I've asked the last four or five years you may not know the answer but you can reach through the phone and, and do you still send in your uh uh NLI via fax machine, or have they upgraded to email yet?
4: <laughs> I think you could probably do both. I, I think that you could probably <laughs> scan it into a computer, but somebody still got to print the damn thing out. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so somebody is either going to a copy machine or a fax machine to print those things out and make them official records. So, uh, but yes, uh, hey, and listen, it's an exciting day for any college football program uh, when you whether it's early national signing day or the traditional national signing day there's a buzz around the office and it's you know that whole renewal of the program and everybody's positive it's a it's a winning day for the program and for the fan base and uh listen i've just uh this has been a long season uh hopefully they can finish out with two wins and uh sign you know all 12 of these kids and start thinking about 2021. Patrick Burnham
2: our Osceola insider thank you sir all right guys you guys have a great day Thank you, Pat. You too. More front row Knowles right after this.
1: Row Knowles on 979 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith.
2: Welcome back as we finish things up. I appreciate the Osceola insiders and and Patrick Burnham uh, joining us, you know, for those who don't know, and we've mentioned this before, he's Wally Burnham's son and FSU fans know Wally Burnham from his association on the staff and with the dynasty. But Patrick has not just been on the media side. He's also been in the op side. And uh, as he mentioned, he was a GA at South Carolina on the football side. And uh, so he's seen it from all angles. And also he, he was an offensive lineman in college. And so he looks at OL tape, a little bit more than you and I do, Keith. So if he says Rod Orr
0: and OL commits the best guy in the class, I'm going to take his word for it. The other thing I'm going to take his word for is when he can look at Tate and notice the athleticism of an individual and not focus in on the fact that he's 6'5", 205, as he was talking about with that uh, Northwestern product, uh, prospect rather. You know, the ability to grow into your body uh, is, is part of that development component that we've been talking about that Florida State has has maybe lacked a little bit over the last few years and you go in and you get that uh, that frame or that athleticism and then you build that body out and you you redshirt them for a year and let them play a few snaps the second year and then they're ready in the third year versus this immediate uh, gratification you know bring that five star in and he plays but he's only here for two three years whatever is required Uh, That development very, very much something that Norville and his staff are good at, I believe, and are going to pay special attention to as well.
2: One thing I want to point back to that we've talked about back in the spring and then over the summer, but just because not everybody's tuned into this, and this is in regard to seniors coming back and the fact that institutions have to pay for their scholarships. So I don't know where football will land, but just so you know, right now, basketball players, it's the same thing. They, you know, this year's not going to count for basketball. And so they can come back and be the same year next year. And we already went through a spring season where Florida State's got some baseball guys coming back. I'm really sharing this purely from an FSU budget standpoint related to challenges in the athletics department. I recall the number being 60 or 65 seniors from spring sports that could have come back for another year. And when all was said and done, it ended up being roughly a third 20 to 25 who came back. So I just, that's just context related to the budget, which is a challenge for Florida state right now. If you continue to get a third of the class that keeps coming back and now we're going to go into another spring sports cycle, Keith, and they may well say this year's a mulligan too. So I don't know, but the budget is part of the calculation at some point.
0: And it goes back to our earlier conversation about whether it's, you know, uh, a kid, you know, you want to invite him to leave, so to speak. And, you know, whether that scholarship is honored or not honored and how all that works, uh, there are situations where kids are retained on scholarship in terms of what's paid for, but coaches and administration finds a way for them not to count towards the 85 limitation, but you're still expending those dollars. And in this year, when you're going to have in 2021, you could have those seniors above the 85 count You know, whatever that dollar amount is, in-state versus out-of-state, it doesn't matter. It's money. And finding a way to find that money is much more difficult in today's environment than it was two, three, five years prior. And, again, football may be
2: different than the other sports, but just as some sort of mark on the thermometer, it was roughly a third for FSU that came back from the spring sports. I don't know if it will be a a bigger or smaller number for FSU – uh but probably in line with that actually given there's already been attrition on the roster right now for football all right fsu duke four o'clock saturday fsu indiana seven fifteen tonight commencement also this weekend and uh fewer days to christmas shop or holiday shop if you haven't already done so that's our public
0: service announcement anything else keith well, if I'm getting old, I, again not to correct you publicly, but I think you said FSU Duke on Saturday. It's FSU Florida. So either I misheard and I don't know. No, no, old. I meant
2: no, I meant football for the FSU Duke was I left out FSU Florida back. Yeah.
0: We're 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 totally messed up because you're exactly right. Yeah. My bad. Well, so F- publicly publicly chastise me. After we beat Indiana
2: tonight, we can beat the Gators again. But I see I didn't even mention that because that happens every year on the hardwood, Keith. So it, it oh even, oh,
0: it didn't, there didn't you even, go.
2: Didn't even need to point that out. All
0: right, there you go. That explains everything.
2: If we keep talking, we'll keep doing more damage. So we're done. He's Keith. I'm Tom, and we will talk to you again next week on Front Row Knowles.
1: Oh, we'll